0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans, you're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. While Carlos Correa Watch has reached 8 p.m. on a Monday here, we have no resolution so we're recording an episode here that could possibly never reach the air if a signing happens. If you're listening to it, there's no official deal in place. And that leads me to discuss what is, in my opinion, a win-win situation for the New York Mets when it comes to Correa. Because either they get a deal done on their terms or the alternative is not that bad. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com where I work as the managing editor. Now these two sides are currently negotiating and we really have no idea what the state of those negotiations are. Everything we've seen at this point is that everyone remains optimistic that a deal will get done because what is the alternative for each of these sides? For Carlos Correa, good luck in the market again. Two teams passed on you. How are you going to get the long-term deal? Sure, there's probably 15 teams in baseball, at least, that would love to add a Carlos Correa to the middle of their lineup on a three-year deal with an opt-out after the first year. That's what he just signed with Minnesota. Is he going to really play that out again? When you've had doctors you know, present skepticism that you're going to hold up Are you really going to play through another season, bet on yourself again, and then hit the market? What's going to be different a year from now? He wants that long-term money, and his best route to get is with the New York Mets, and that is why the Mets are in an absolute win-win scenario right now, because you have all the leverage in your hands. Now, you can't lowball them. You can't say, hey, Correa, sign a four-year deal with us. That's not what we're discussing here. It's a matter of putting enough provisions in that contract that you feel comfortable giving him the long-term deal, and maybe it's no longer going to have to be a 12-year deal. On yesterday's show, I said 10 years, $300 million. I still think that's a viable contract. Yes, it's more money per year than the 12-year commitment, but you get him at $30 million per, so Correa would like that, and you are paying for ages 28 through 37, or 28 through 38. I'm not exactly sure how that completely line up. Let's just see real quick. Carlos Correa, I believe, is already 28 years old. How long has he been 28 is the question. Uh, He turned 28. He just did. So you're looking at his age 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So yeah, I was right. So 38 through age 37 seasons, or 28 through 37 seasons if you get him on a 10-year deal, instead of having to pay for those final two years. That lines him up, basically, with Francisco Lindor. So is that still on the table for the Mets? It could be. It could be. But you have the leverage in those negotiations because what is Correa's alternative? And I spoke on yesterday's show uh, about what a bad spot Correa's in, and you feel awful for him. And I really do believe... That the problem here is if this issue with the, the plate in his leg prevents a team from insuring the contract, that might be the entirety of the problem here when it comes to a deal that's supposed to span longer than a decade. Because, you know, if you look at these long term contracts, the New York Mets with David Wright, that contract was heavily insured where, if I'm not mistaken, the Mets were getting 75 cents on the dollar for every single one of those last years where Wright was unable to play. And the Wilpons just put it in their pocket. Now, if you're Steve Cohen, you would like to do the same, not to line your pockets and pretend you have a higher payroll than you do, but because you want to reinvest it in the ball club. So, if you can't get insurance on it, how do you, you get that type of you know, other insurance so you feel comfortable? And that is putting some form provisions in there where the deal is in your favor. And and again, I I don't envision Correa coming to the Mets on a three-year deal or even a five-year deal. I think bare minimum he's going to get seven or eight. And realistically, I still think there's a good chance he ends up with all 12. But it's what language is in that contract that you're comfortable with. And again, that is where this becomes a win for the Mets because you aren't just signing him to – 12 years guaranteed no matter what happens, he's on your books. There's going to be something worked into this contract that makes sense, and I really do think that Scott Boris is better off negotiating with the New York Mets than going elsewhere. With that said, that does not necessarily mean the Mets ultimately decide to go for this. Whether it's because Boris thinks there's another team out there that he can get to push this deal across, whether that's because he just gets too fed up through the negotiation process, a lot can still happen here. And again, this is a waiting game. I really didn't even know if I was going to record today. I was like, what What can I say? Because there's no new information that we can really go off of in this instance. We're just sitting here trying to figure it out. But if you're the New York Mets, you have the exclusive negotiating rights with Carlos Correa. And if you sign him, Regardless of what the long-term language of this contract is, you are getting a third baseman next year that is going to be amazing for you. A guy that's been healthy the last couple of years, who has yet to see this injury impact him on the field as a major leaguer, and you can bank on that, really, for maybe another five years. But the question is, how is that plate in his leg going to hold up long-term, and I mean, realistically, they could replace the plate and he could be fine. Maybe there's one year where you miss him. It really is one of those things where we're trying to look into the future and it's hard to know what's going to happen. But again, right now, if you had to wait it, the odds of Carlos Correa playing for the New York Mets next season is higher than any other team in baseball. And he has been one of the better players in baseball over the last two seasons. But let's say they don't land Correa. That's where this gets interesting, and that's what we're going to discuss next. Because, again, I really think this is a win-win situation because who cares what outside perception is? The New York Mets made a gamble here that they were never tied to. And as long as there's not some grievance that takes place with the MLBPA that forces him onto the Mets when they really don't want him, which, again... Having Carlos Correa on your baseball team, in my opinion, is going to be a great outcome no matter what. If something happens here where Correa ends up on a different team, I think the Mets are still sitting absolutely pretty with what they have, and that's what we're going to go through next. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting info, the stats, the news, the analysis, they got it all. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Right now, the Mets Plus 700 to win the World Series. You know what else they are? Plus 350, even with the Dodgers, to win the National League pennant. So they have better odds than the Dodgers to win the World Series because the Dodgers are at plus 750 and even odds to take the whole thing in the National League. If you want to bet on that, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet online where the game starts. So this is a win-win situation for the New York Mets. And I say that because let's just envision a scenario where this breaks down and Correa ends up signing back with the Twins on a five-year, 165 million dollar contract. He gets 35 per, and he's there and he's not with the Mets, which I don't think is going to happen. But again, you never know what could unfold. So let's just let's just go through that line of thinking. Well, that's 12 years, $315 million, no longer on your books. This season, yeah, there's questions. And we'll get to those in the final segment. But the possibilities beyond this year. You want to fill third base for the next 10 years? Let's look at next offseason. Who could be a free agent? Oh, there's this guy named Manny Machado. He can opt out of his contract at 30 years old. You can sign him to a deal. Machado, that dude's been pretty good, hasn't he? Already been playing the position, elite defensively. Maybe the second or third best third baseman in baseball. You can call. I'm talking about defensively. You can look at Nolan Arenado, maybe Matt Chapman. But Machado's right there. Cabrian Hayes against another one defensively. But but mainly Machado is elite defensively. I'd probably prefer his bat over Correas anyway. That's a possibility. Who else is a free agent? Oh, Rafael Devers. Are the Red Sox really going to sign him? I know there's been some Mets fans that say, hey, why don't you just trade for Devers? Why would I mortgage the farm this year when I could, for one, see if Beatty can lock down the position? Two, I could just sign Devers as a free agent because the way the Red Sox have been going, they're not locking any of their guys up. So unless Rafael Devers gets traded to a, a Dodgers, to a Yankees, one of these teams that you really think he'll sign with, he could hit the open market, and there you go. There's your third baseman. Do you know how good Rafael Devers would look in a Mets uniform? And I'm not just talking about him in blue and orange. I'm talking about the bat that he would bring to the table. This guy is unbelievable. You look at Rafael Devers' career, a two-time All-Star World Series champion silver slugger, uh, this past season, he hit 295, 358 on base, 521 slugging. OPS Plus, which is similar to WRC Plus, measuring hitters based on a league average of 100. 41% better than a league average hitter at 141. 27 bombs this season. Last season, he hit 38 homers. A couple years before that, 2019, at 22 years old, he hit 32 bombs and drove in 115. Oh, yeah, he also had 54 doubles. That's a possibility. You also have this guy named Shohei Ohtani. The fact is, the Mets are going to continue to spend. And because of that, they're always in an advantageous position. Because if it's not Correa this year, it's Devers, it's Machado, it's Shohei next year. They'll be in the running for all those guys. And clearly, they have the money to land one more top-tier free agent. Not to mention, the guys they have in place with Lindor. The possibility to extend an Alonzo or a McNeil this offseason to really help you out moving forward before they get to free agency. The fact that you have Nimo locked up now, you still have Marte one year beyond this, so the core is still there. You're looking at an Alvarez, you're looking at a Beatty, you're looking at a Vientos. You might even look at a Ronnie Mauricio. One of those guys could be a star. Multiple of them could become stars. The Mets have a ton of talent. So, obviously... We want Carlos Correa if you're a Mets fan. You want to see that infield, Correa and Lindor, with McNeil and Alonso, and there's still a greater than 50% chance that that will happen. But if it doesn't, and you end up having to, to wave goodbye to this Correa dream and it was a week of mania that ended in disappointment, you can still look at this roster this season and feel comfortable that they can win a lot of baseball games, and beyond that, they can spend more money in the future and get right back on track. So we're going to discuss what is this team going to look like if they don't sign Correa next. And we've already really broken down what they'll look like if they have him. So again, Steve Cohen, by being as bold as he was, continues to set up good situation for the Mets where it is a win-win no matter what happens here. We'll discuss it more in just a minute, but first, another word from our sponsors. So if the Mets end up not signing Carlos Correa, and look, as I say this, I almost want to check Twitter one more time to make sure that the last... However many minutes, 15 minutes of recording I've done is not for naught because generally when you record a podcast like this, uh, something happens where all of a sudden uh, a deal is struck and you're like, well, that was a waste of time, (laughs) which if if that is what happens, you're welcome, Mets fans. Okay, so right now, as I look at 8.20 p.m., nothing has changed. We're in a waiting game, if that is the case. Okay? What happens with the New York Mets this season without Carlos Correa? Well, let's go through the starting nine. Same group as last year that was top five in offense. Same group. You got Nemo, you got Marte, you got Cana, you got Escobar, you got Lindor, you got McNeil, you got Alonso, and you got Narvaez now instead of McCann with Nito. On your bench, Brett Beatty. Has an even better chance of making the club, and he can factor in at third base and left field and DH. You still got Danny Vogel back. You still got uh, Darren Ruff if you want him, or if you move on from Ruff, you got Marfientos. You got Alvarez as a possibility, although I believe the Nervias signing keeps him in AAA to start the season. The Mets have plenty of offense, even without Carlos Correa. Obviously. They would have to make some more moves to round out the roster, but I think you're an Adam Duval away from being comfortable on opening day knowing that if you have to make another trade during the season, you can do that. But I still felt very comfortable where the Mets were offensively before the Correa dream even happened. And so you can look at it as a fever dream that never was and move on with what you thought was still a very successful offseason. And the fact that their starting rotation is as good as it is the fact that you went out and you brought back Adam Atavino last week to pair with David Robertson and Edwin Diaz at the back end of that bullpen with Brooks Rayleigh. You feel good there. Maybe the Mets make another signing in the pen. Maybe they get Pollock or Duvall to compliment their outfielders and they roll from there and you see what happens. You know, I I still think Darren Ruff is a surprise if he's still on the roster by opening day. But You never know, the guy was a good ball player before he got traded to the Mets, so that still wouldn't even be the worst-case scenario in the world. The bottom line is, you look at where the Mets are, they're still in an advantageous position. Again, Carlos Craig comes in amazing. You are the on-paper favorites to make it out of the National League. Without it, you're still on the same level, in my opinion, as the Braves. You're still right there with the Dodgers, and I still think you're ahead of the Phillies. So, you know, th- this is one of those things where we're all waiting on pins and needles to see what happens. And I wish I was talking right now about a you know official agreement. And I still think it's more likely than not that it happens with Carlos Correa. But if it doesn't, you got a year here where you see what happens, where you put Ronnie Mauricio at third base in in Double A to start the season, and Brett Beatty in Syracuse. Maybe, unless he breaks camp with the team. And you think one of them could be your third baseman by the playoffs. And you maybe get a little bit more run with Mark Vientas and see what he looks like as a DH. And you know that you still got Alvarez in the pipeline. The Mets have a lot of talent right now. And here's the other thing. Eduardo Escobar was fantastic in September and has been a consistent 25-home run guy throughout the last couple years of his career. Didn't quite get there with the Mets, but... Closed out the season strong, second year year in New York. No reason he can't have a better season and be a quality starting third baseman for you. A lot of teams will be thrilled to go into the season with Eduardo Escobar as their starting third baseman. So right now with where we're at, we'll just have to wait and see. But the worst case scenario through all of this is Carlos Correa is not a Met and you got Eduardo Escobar and Brett Beatty at third base. Not to mention, you still have Louis Guillorme, who, if you want to put him as your starting third baseman defensively in a platoon with Escobar, that's not too bad either. Defensively, that's probably right there with what you'd have with Correa. Obviously, offensively, it's not. But I like Guillorme to have a better offensive season next year without the shift because he's the type of guy where they were shifting him as a left-handed hitter and he is a guy that can find holes. So if you space out those infielders, you can shoot more singles into the gaps. Suddenly that OBP goes up, the batting average goes up, and as your 8th hitter, ninth hitter, he's fine. He's going to give you competitive at-bats and he's going to play great defense. And and again, Escobar still has a, a, a chance to be a 25 home run guy. Beatty, pretty much same thing with even a higher upside when it comes to the batting average. The Mets aren't sitting here with... Todd Frazier as their starting third baseman next year, or I don't know, uh, I guess Wilmer Flores is good now. J.D. Davis, they are in a better spot than they were at third base uh, a couple years ago, and they still have the chance to be in an excellent position if they can work out this contract with Scott Boris, and again, that's still the most likely circumstance uh, through all of this. So let's just wait and see what happens. For now, though, that's going to be all for Locked on Mets today. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. and after your second listen, check out Locked on MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked on MLB is where you want to go to stay today with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You follow Locked on MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts.